First question I like to ask everyone I interview during this time is just a simple, how are you doing? How is, how are you managing to stay inspired and stay motivated in the face of the pandemic? I mean, I'm reading in Europe that a lot of cities are closing their clubs again and stuff like that. And so how is that going for you as an artist? Um, well, the whole pandemic, actually, even before the pandemic, I already knew something is wrong or was going to happen. I don't know. I just felt very, very, very strange. And I felt like I didn't have any energy to do anything. And I felt like I needed a break. And I also felt like I don't want to DJ. I really felt like this is, or I had never felt like this before, actually. And uh, and then I was looking forward to my tour because it was in the US and it would have been my first Cassie's Playhouse and also going to, to the Caribbean and visiting my cousin. So I was like, no, I'm really looking forward to doing the, the, the gigs. But then, um, you know, the whole thing happened and, um, and it kind of like reaffirmed how I felt in my holiday or in my break for, uh, in January just before. And I just felt really strange and I just knew I needed to um, grab my mom and my son and just go back to Austria because we were living in Ibiza. And, and, just, and I knew whatever I felt before uh, was right. And I just have to like, um, kind of like even pretend like the world is never gonna be the same, which the world is never gonna be the same, but um, even like go and say, okay, this is now a phase, my life is gonna change forever. This is over, whatever I've done so far was okay. And something new has to happen now. And I just took time off basically. And I was just there for my mom and my son, which I could never do before. So I, I did not listen to any house or techno, um, like hardly any music. If I was listening to classical music and this probably for a year. Yeah. So you're saying you've only been really listening to classical music for about a year? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I was literally like, I could not listen to one single house or techno record. Mm. I was like, and I was like, oh my God, this is really strange, but I'm just not feeling it. It was um, really, really, really odd. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a very strong connection to your intuition in that sense. Has your intuition and trusting your gut been an essential part of your career as an artist throughout the entire time? Maybe more like a career as a DJ or artist, because as like the business side, my intuition was usually not so good um but then it was right for me as an artist so I don't know <laughs> my intuition is good for me as a person and as an artist I know that I'm being led in the right way to learn the best lessons for my life you know I I see the the person that I hopefully truly am or truly am becoming is more important than the artist and then the artist's life and then my career so I always find my personal path is more relevant to my life than my career path. And then obviously um, 
this can go hand in hand and and uh, and it's interesting how you know how I just took it seriously that I needed this um, break and and now a year and a half or, or two years on or almost two years on I feel like yeah it was really good that I did it you know it was really good that I went through my motions yeah yeah, I mean, I've spoken to quite a few artists throughout the last, um, throughout the pandemic as a whole. And the ones that I've spoken to on the more recent side that we've been in it for over a year, year and a half, it, nobody said that it was like a good thing that it happened. But a lot of artists did appreciate the ability to slow down and take a breath and like really reevaluate themselves. You know, I mean, because nobody, I was actually interviewing another artist yesterday and he just brought up that nobody in like December of 2019 was thinking that anything like this could ever happen, ever. Nobody nobody had this idea. It's like, oh yeah, the whole world will shut down. You know, that's just something <laughs> that's coming up. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe people had the intuition like yourself, but it wasn't as crystallized in its form, you know? And so- Yes, obviously wasn't as crystallized yeah. really either <laughs> but yes yeah yeah it was um I guess for all of us and we just don't understand maybe not fully understand yet it was a blessing in disguise because I think everyone was running on empty almost it was just getting everything was getting so hectic and crazy and more intense and more never stopping yeah yeah I, I mean no one no one would say that this was a of course it's a really strange tragic thing and we're all going through it and it's super hard for many of us and also we're losing so many famous musicians and, and artists we uh we admire and family members and it's an extremely uh testing time but you know what, what? When you're going through testing times, you just know that there is no escaping them, and that you have to take it for what it's worth and make the best of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one thing that I found interesting that you said is how, when you're taking time off, you know, you weren't gigging clearly because nobody was, but you also weren't listening to house and techno. And so I'm wondering, like has your listening habits always kind of reflected been like what's going on in your life even before you were a DJ? Is that kind of a correlation that's always existed? Hmm. I think it's like, you know, once, once you become a professional DJ, mm -hmm. your listening habits change and you have to like, because you go from being extremely passionate about listening to every single record, you can also go to, oh my God, I have piles of promos and things I have to listen to, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, it, listening can become work as well. And listening is also, you know, you go through tracks and you listen for like two, three, four, five seconds different bits and you're not you know because you know like can I use this can I not use this can I use this can I not use this because you have to listen to so much music so you're you, you know there there's a different form of listening mm -hmm. 
as a DJ that you have to probably, it's an acquired skill, I guess, as well. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. It like must be almost 10 years ago now. I took a, like a series of courses at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. And one of the ones they made every, you had a lot of choice over the classes that you took, but one that they wanted everybody to do was called critical listening to learn how to really like listen to music and hear it on just listen to it from a more educated and uh intelligent like viewpoint i guess um because it, it you know if you the to to engage in this in this business of music and to not hear it with all hear all its parts and hear everything that's going on you know you're doing yourself a disservice in a lot of ways yeah, I guess it's also like what you're what you're supposed to be doing with the music or how you want to grow with the music or is that is is the music your business or is it something because obviously if you're if you're a journalist or if you're someone that or an AR, you know, there's so many different ways that music has to um has to be listened to in order to be sold or be written about properly, etc. So I guess, yeah, it's um, it's something that like obviously your attitude to, to music changes if you if you are, you know, if you are professional around music. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what yeah. I wanted to say. Again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um what was your first musical experience when you were younger that you kind of led you on to this path of being an artist um i don't know if this has led me on to be an artist i don't really know if that that was really it's also this time made me question uh, so many things Mm -hmm. so i guess looking back again now after the pandemic uh what what did the past mean in actual fact for my life and i guess it it changes like the older you get you look at things differently obviously mm-hmm. um i don't know i just the one thing i know is that i listen to music and um i don't care what it is and who it's by or what, it's either it either catches me or it doesn't catch me mm-hmm. and um and uh i listened i think the first music i listened to was classical music because it was like sleeping beauty and like ballet music and mm-hmm. swan lake and these things so um and that i found immediately extremely attractive i mean mm-hmm. there's that's just like amazing music for children. And obviously if you go to the ballet and watch it, or if you can watch an opera for children and stuff, which in Austria, you know, children do because this is, I mean, Vienna is the, is the cradle of classical music. So mm-hmm, absolutely. Or was the capital of music of the world for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess you grow up with it differently. It doesn't matter what your background is or, uh who your parents are like everyone has the chance to love and listen to music the way uh you know i did 
because even in school you go and like watch an opera or something or you join the choir and then you might even be part of an opera or you know there's a lot of really musical or musically interested people in Austria because mm-hmm. it's part of the culture and of of traditions and um so this is why music like I guess a bit even like um I mean I went to a Catholic school like uh, religion like uh, habits I don't know not that um, Austria is an extremely religious country but there's some things that are just part of your education unless your parents are super alternative you know obviously then they will try not have you be part of this but um I guess it's very continental European, very um, classic, very, you know, exposed to a lot of culture. Mm-hmm. And so if you started listening to classical music, what was the natural progression that got you to listening to more house and techno and things like that? Well, I listened to a lot of music and uh because I guess I learned that music is important and so cool. And, you know, I think the passion that you live with, like listening to music in a ballet and Tchaikovsky teaches you how, how fulfilling it is because it's ex- extremely, I mean, classical music is extremely uh, enlightening. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it gives you the door to, to know how to enjoy music or why you enjoy it or what it means to you. And um, I always had like a a radio, I had like a ladybird turntable and later on I had a radio, like a tape radio where I could tape things from from the radio or then Mm. I had a little stereo thing where I could tape the vinyl onto the tape and I could also tape radio again. and so my life was just like basically around um, watching my favorite cool films and uh, and recording my favorite cool music and buying records. And that was then later on, obviously, like pop music, you know, mm-hmm. anything I could get my hands on or anything that my horizon um, could pick up, you know. So how many records did you, would you say you have in your collection now? total i really don't know i don't know <laughs> i have a problem with um counting th- uh, people even like some people look at a mass uh yeah some people look at a mass of people and go like and that's uh, about a thousand people and i'm like oh really i don't know i, said, <laughs> I have no idea i think it's uh, like it's a lot but it's not i would say it's uh it's not as much as like super prolific djs have mm. And also I lost a lot of records and some boxes and I'm not a collector. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm someone who plays records and there's many records I bought two or three times because I lost them or, mm-hmm. or they were like so broken. Yeah. And, um, and I really don't know thousands, obviously, but I don't know mm-hmm. how many thousands. And do you still, spin primarily on vinyl today or do you do cdjs and stuff? no i also my 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 main collection i only had a few vinyl boxes or 
cases on me because I had to put them in storage because my son was born and I was moving around the world so much. I wasn't living in one place. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, we didn't know where we're going to be living. And I never knew where I was going to be living. So they were in storage for 10 years. Mm. So I, just, I, I, I then had to like give up the idea because I could, that the, the storage I had to then take, I couldn't go and pick a new new records up whenever I wanted to. And it was also too difficult to do because it's somewhere in the Austrian countryside. So I kept the vinyl gigs to like a minimum. Mm -hmm. And because I was missing a lot of records that I wanted to to play. And I just like had to, you know, I just had to make the best with uh, like playing um, with CDJs. And I also thought that was, it was also like a lot easier when I had my son because I was traveling with him a lot and alone as well. So it was easy for me to be, you know, not have vinyl on top of my son and a buggy, et cetera. So yeah. it was a, a practical solution as mm-hmm. well. But then obviously I started missing it more and more. And, and especially now in the pandemic, as I got all my records back, I was like, okay, I have to, as soon as everything starts going uh, full throttle again, I will probably just like um, focus on just playing vinyl. I mean, obviously I will also play some uh, CDJs, but uh, but I will focus on playing vinyl again. And this is why I'm also doing this tour because we said, okay, this is the time to do it now. Uh, so the upcoming tour is going to be all vinyl sets? Yes. Are you coming to Los Angeles by chance? Yes. Ooh, very excited. Um, in doing research for the interview, you know, we're already talking about DJing. And so I read that you started DJing at the age of 28. Is that correct? 26. 26. Okay. Um, you know, that's obviously yeah. there's no wrong time, but it can be later than, you know, a lot of people uh, start and so, you know, kind of leading back to what we were saying about like your intuition, why did it feel right at the age of 26 after collecting vinyls and listening to music so long? What made that the right time to get your start as a DJ? That's not how it was. Oh, I, went, okay. I, I went to drama school. I wasn't collecting records at all. I was never, never collected records. Mm. I only just bought music that I was listening to. So... I always lost records. I always messed them up. Um, then I started buying CDs and tapes and um, um, I was never, I don't know, I was never really precious with my records unless they were just my favorite that I was listening to at the time. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, yes, I do take care of them somehow, but you know, many records are also not in their sleeves and I'm I'm a nightmare like to all record collectors. like. Um, I'm not uh, a prime example. Um, yeah, I was not. I was not um, collecting records. I went to drama school. I trained to be an actress. That I did in London. I um, every weekend I went to buy music. I mean, I I think I didn't I didn't miss one weekend at Tower Records. Mm-hmm. or some smaller shops that maybe someone would tell me here and there but I wasn't really in a scene I was just more like you know 
a drama student and sometimes I would go to a, a really cool club or party, but um, I couldn't really do that so much because I was also, I didn't have anyone that wanted to do this with me in school. And I was alone at night. And back then in London, I don't know, there were, it wasn't so easy to get back home. And I was just more shy and not really a party girl yet. And um, um, yeah, I was always listening to music, always buying music. And it was all different sorts of music. I was singing a lot. I was had extra singing lessons with my singing teacher that was for classical though. Um, well, classical, like more, you know, also like musical, what you do when you have to, you know, when you study drama, but she was an opera singer and she always said, yeah, I should, I should study for opera. And I said, yeah, I would love to do that. So that was something I thought I might want to be doing after drama school, just like dedicate all my time to just singing lessons and to go and get admitted to, uh, you know, an opera course or actually to a, a music school and then later on do an opera course when, uh, whenever my voice is ready. So that was the plan mm -hmm. after, after drama school, my official plan. And then I moved back to Vienna because I felt also more happy there and I, I didn't, didn't feel like I wanted to be an actress. Or I, did, I did a few plays, but I think I was like more, I just really liked the idea of um, singing an opera more, even though just, yes, but not the actual practicality of it because I could already see how, how the lifestyle of an opera singer and, and the, how hard it is and how, how you just, how careful you have to be with your voice, how neurotic you have to be, how hard like to even, you know, to get also get taken in a school and, and, I just knew, okay, after like this hard work of a drama school that I've been through, it was really tough. Mm -hmm. I said, like, I don't know if I, I can do this again now just for my voice. Mm -hmm. So I was like um, doing singing lessons, um, helping out this opera singer or this like uh, very, very uh, good uh, teacher in Vienna. I started with her. It was very interesting. But at the same time, I started going out and partying and meeting some old friends. And I saw that the DJs I knew from before in Vienna, they were like quite famous. And, and I started getting into the party scene like slowly, slowly. And I started hanging out with a, a techno DJ called Electric Indigo. And she, uh, I mean, she still is, but back then she was one of the most important techno DJs. Mm -hmm. Uh, definitely uh, in uh, in Berlin, in Europe, and she was traveling everywhere. You know, she was really um, she was really good. She played amazing music, and she said to me, "Why? Like you're always at the parties. You're always staring at the records. You're really interested in the music. You like you like standing in the DJ booth and watching. You know, because I was really I wasn't so much watching to see what tracks it were. It was like more like." I was just fascinated. How does it work? Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't have thought myself that I should be trying this. I was like, nah, I mean, that's ridiculous. Why would I try and be a DJ? And then uh, Electric Energy, she convinced me uh, and she was like uh, um, hanging out and playing a lot with Miss Kitten and Acid Maria, another German DJ. She still plays sometimes, I guess, but 
not so much anymore. Um, and and they were just really, uh, really good and amazing. And I thought, wow, this is their passion. They're making money with this. They, they are actually paying rent with DJing and they get to tour the world and uh, and they they are like very um I just thought they were very interesting young women you know that were like out there personalities not like crazy out there but like definitely completely different to the drama students I had just hang out with and um and, and the people that, you know, started having jobs or finished university. And I thought, wow, this is like, this is an alternate lifestyle that I really enjoy. I enjoy how people just go after their passion and, and really do something that is a complete niche thing. Or back then it kind of seemed like a niche thing. Maybe it's not so niche anymore today. But I thought, wow, I wonder if I could do that too. But it was really it was really hard to learn to mix well and uh, I played techno at first and I mixed some weird music because I didn't have any I didn't have a style I didn't have records I just needed to build a record collection and I needed to build my own style and I needed to build my skills you know my mixing skills and uh, so I didn't I didn't go like oh yes I'm going to be a DJ now I was like I am not sure I'm going to be doing this because if I do this for real, you know, if I really do this, I have to be serious about this. Otherwise, what's the point? So I had to also prove to myself if I'm serious about it. And I could see how with the like first in the first two or three years, I got serious and I, I, I really developed a sense for what I want to do. But it took a really long time um, to translate it into actual what people can listen to. And, uh, and I really had to just be exposed as much as possible. And I had to play as much as possible. Moving to Berlin made that possible, like to go and play after our here, party there, that, 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 just play as much as possible in a bar, in a, in a, like, and play and play and play and play and play and be thrown into situations that are scary and like crazy and uh, really um, challenging and obviously sound like an idiot for years, et cetera. And uh, eventually I was so ambitious for myself, in myself that I was like, okay, you have to do this really well or you're not fucking doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. You have to be a really good DJ, otherwise fuck it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you have to always do your best, no matter what. You can't can't half-ass any of this. Um, you mentioned yeah. th that moving to Berlin was a big turning point in your career as a DJ, and you became a resident at Panorama Bar, correct? That was in like yeah. 2003 yeah. around. Yeah, I think. Uh, 2003, I think it was 2004 when it opened, or did it open in 2005? No, probably 2004. Okay. 2003 was the year it was not, because it it had closed in 2002. Mm -hmm. And then they needed to find a new place. It was the mm. Oscar and then it, it uh, they had to find a new place. I was going to ask, what was the 
what was Panorama Bar like when you were a resident and how has it changed between then and now? God. <laughs> oh my God. Ah, uh, I mean, ah, uh, I just like I cannot even believe that the time goes by so quickly. It's very crazy. It's like another lifetime. Well, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was the Fridays were label nights in mm-hmm. Panorama Bar and the techno floor downstairs wasn't open. And the Friday nights were the cool nights where everyone went, where the cool labels had their nights. And the Saturday where the residents were playing, like were like really not super interesting. It was more like, okay, we need to build a crowd. We need to build a club. We need to build what the club is about, I guess. You know, it was people coming out um they were always great with the door in the sense they didn't just let everyone in it was not like about having the most people possible it was more about like experiment how should we do this I don't know how conscious they were of it but probably yes and uh and they were always really professional and I guess I was also always really professional there because I was like okay no one is coming to uh, the Saturday, Sunday, because everyone mm-hmm. would like, hang out on the Friday. And I thought, you know what? This is like the best opportunity I've ever had of my lifetime. Somewhere, a floor that is going to be my floor, you know? Like, it feels like it's my floor because I was there in different, like, my floor. I don't mean my floor, but, you know, my, how I can... Uh, develop uh, a skill as a DJ because you're playing in the same place a lot mm-hmm. which makes you have a, a very distinct relationship with this place with the floor you get to know it really well you get to know the sound system really well you start to develop a sense of how what type of record sounds how you get the sense of what does the sound sound like with 100 people more or less what does it sound like if there's only 20 people left on the floor, etc.? What does it sound like at the beginning of the night? What does it sound like after hundreds of people were sweating, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? You really you start develop this extreme sense for how everything you do has an effect and how it has an effect, and that was fucking amazing, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was great to be there at the very beginning where no one wanted to be there, where the freaks were dancing at 11 in the morning on Sunday and you still had to make the best of it, you know? And I have to say, it was amazing. It was really, it was not cool. It was not, it was just really like a club in Berlin was, you know, where it's not cool. It's just like, you know, we're here, we listen to music we're professional, we are, it's a party, I don't know. That's what I always loved about Oscar and Burkheim, that it was uh, very individual people that would go and would wanna be left alone partying and do their thing, you know, and listen to music. And it was about dancing and it was about mm-hmm. just being free and not like no one cares what you looked like or who you were, if you're gay or not or whatever, you know. And uh, that vibe, like, was incredible i have to say it was really nice and obviously it's it uh, it turned into into this 
Sunday where like the people, the party that started on a Saturday went longer on the Sunday, longer, 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 longer. And obviously then the Sunday to Monday night was the most important uh, time to be playing. And um, yeah, it changed drastically. It just, it, it turned from a extremely well-respected, everyone wants to be the club, um, play their club to uh, well-respected, everyone wants to be their club, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, an amazing opportunity to have. Um, yeah, well, thank you for that. Thank you for that whole story. I mean, I would have loved to have seen seen the club back in the day like that. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. It was, <laughs> it was, mean, just, it was a dream. Yeah. Uh, one <laughs> thing that I liked about what you said is how it wasn't like a cool club or like the cool thing to do. It was just the thing to do. People didn't go because they thought it was cool. People went because they that's just all they wanted to do. It's not like the social it, media it, it was cool to be there you know mm. it was cool to be there you wanted to be there because it was cool it was like you like hanging out there you like being you you met everyone that you wanted to meet you know and it was um it's so hard because obviously it's it's still cool to be there and it's a it's an obviously really cool club uh but it was um it was not like a you know, you have to be really cool. Otherwise, you cannot be there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or like, it was like, um, it's better you're just yourself and you're there, you know? It, yeah. It's not very um, organic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you really liked having, being able to play in one place like a lot that gave you all the, opportunities to play at the different times see what worked different times and you ended up having residencies not just in berlin but in paris and amsterdam maybe some other cities and i'm wondering like was that experience of having the residency in berlin is that similar to other cities do you get that same kind of impression of no, no, you know no, of no. uh That's, unfortunately that was the horror of the whole thing that like nothing was like playing at Panorama Bar because oh, really? you had four or five hours mm -hmm. and I could play there like once a month or maybe sometimes two times a month, which makes it, you know, the other residencies were like in the summer, you know, like DC 10 was like in the summer or cocoon, but it wasn't as much. So you didn't have, and it wasn't your floor, you know, like mm -hmm. where you're like, okay, I'm going onto my floor doing my thing, you know? It was something in Ibiza, obviously at Cocoon, it was like, obviously I had like, a, I, I prefer playing it on the main floor. And obviously you get used to DC 10, you get used to them, you were there a lot, so you get used to it. And and uh, and uh, Rex was like, once every two or three months, it was not as much. And the trial was also not as much. And it was so different because the clubs and the sound systems were different. And it was, I think you were Rex, not so much because that's such a, such a club club also, but obviously it's a completely different room. So it's a, again, 
it's a completely different thing. It was like these residencies were like amazing, like obviously amazing, but a completely different experience. So cannot really compare it to, it was like more like, okay, well, I wish I could play everywhere more often to have the same feel that I had at Panorama Bar in the, in the other places. Or like at DC10, it would have been nice to play there for like four or five hours, but obviously DC10 had a completely different philosophy and you were only allowed to play an hour and a half. And uh, yeah, so different feeling. So Berlin will always have that special place in, in your heart for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, one thing I read is that when you have a DJ gig, you like to get to the club like really late, as late as possible. So you're not influenced by what the other DJ was playing. Is that something that you still like to do to just like go into the club without expectations and just play your heart out? Yeah, because at the beginning I was there early and it was really sometimes throwing me and making me like more insecure about what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, no, just go at the end and catch the vibe and see what you can do then and be less, um, you know, less worried and less freaked out. Um, um, but um I usually get there like half an hour before or an hour before. It depends if I was traveling a lot, how tired I am, if I need a nap, what was going on, uh, if I still need to prepare something. So a more practical uh, decision around the time uh, you arrive in the club. But um, yeah, I still get very nervous. I still, I still really care. Obviously, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some people who who have been doing it as long as you who don't care anymore. So it's good. To, it's good to know you care. Well, I I don't care about many things anymore. Yes, but <laughs> not not this. You know, <laughs> not this of like having to be there and like having the people react to what I'm playing and trying to like get the energy right and stuff that's like extremely that's my favorite part of the whole like that's why I'm still doing it if mm -hmm. it wasn't for this I would really not care yeah yeah and I mean being in the crowd to feel that level of spontaneity in a set is always really special I mean ra rather than I mean the longer you're there the longer you it makes sense the longer you're there the longer you see what the other person is playing it's like oh you start asking yourself should i play this should i play that you just show up you get there and, and it's all like purely energy and that definitely translates really well to the crowd yes mm. yeah um do you have methods of kind of bringing that same spontaneity to your producing when you're making music is there like a similar kind of method for that uh. Maybe used to, but not anymore because like, I don't have a studio anymore. Like now I'm starting to work alone on my laptop. And I used to have a studio before I had, uh, when I was still living in Berlin. And mm -hmm. then I was like um, working together with people or, or renting a place or going uh, into the studio with someone. And no, now when I make music, it's more like, uh, it's like project based. Like now, right now I'm working 
uh, on uh, some music or uh, also uh, again together with someone but the the other person is in the US and I'm here so we are like we have a specific thing in mind that we want to be doing so um, it's not like uh, spontaneous it's more like okay this is about this or like really like uh, with a certain outcome in mind when you produce you usually produce on a schedule or do you yeah have yeah yeah on a schedule because mm -hmm. also because I'm a mom and uh it's really hard for me to find like I cannot just be in the studio four or five hours every day mm -hmm. working there's other things I need to do here and there I mean now it's getting better because my son is in school mm -hmm. but this is why it's easy for me to take two three four days I go somewhere and work and do it and I'm not interrupted and then come back you know that's just like an easier way for me to work yeah um I wanted to ask about your album Donna which came out back in 2016 and in a lot of ways it seems like it was a sum of all of your talents as an artist you know you're a producer you're singing on a lot of the tracks which you developed when you were younger as well and the styles are such a wide range which is something that really only somebody who who's spent so much time DJing could really really master and I was just wondering when you were making that album what was the what was it like to bring all those different elements of your creativity together you know the it was like very strange because I wanted to obviously and I was pregnant when I had to finish it you know oh. mm -hmm. so and then actually no finishing it my son was already born so it was like um that was very much part of it and it was just I wanted to do something that is um not just house and techno that is really more like an artist album where you can see what what the music sounded like that inspired me or what um you know what is my uh um what are my influences um and like to to make it personal and uh and also not try and be something special I don't know I just thought I'd just try and make it as organic as possible and and that's what happened and um I remember there was one I think an accelerator it got really bad it got like good reviews in, in most uh, places but in in accelerator it just got the worst review ever it was really funny and I was like yeah I could see what why he would say that and then you know oh yeah okay uh uh it was exactly that that you know was was hated it was not you know it wasn't um cool enough uh for the, for this person but uh uh or not good enough um but i think it was just exactly right for how i felt about albums in general what i thought the important part is of making an album and it was more i guess a personal artistic expression than like um something that I thought okay I'm, I'm doing this because then I'm going to set myself more up in in uh, this music direction or this or that or it was more like kind of like more pointless more mm -hmm. artistic, you know yeah <laughs> I mean the fact that someone was able to write apparently I mean I didn't read the review 
but if someone were to write a review that's so negative, what that communicates to me is that you poured your honest self into the music because if somebody's going to have a strong reaction to it either way, that means there's a certain amount of care and emotion brought into it, no matter what. Because, I mean, no one can control what anybody's going to think of their art once it's out there. All they can control is what they put into it. And in the terms of like the balance and the duality of the world, you know, if there's a strong amount of emotion feeling put into any form of art, it has the potential to um, cause a similar reaction, whether that's positive or negative. And so, I mean, that's, that's what I would take away from any negative review, you know? Yes. Very good point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, you mentioned that you were, were you pregnant and and or new mother basically throughout the the whole process of the album, or was there stuff that happened actually before? Yes, I was pregnant throughout the whole. Maybe some bits I had prepared before I went into the studio uh, to like really record and set things down in in Geneva with uh, Lad, like my mastering and sound engineer that I I was working with. Um, because some things I had done on my machines before and just brought with me, but then most things we did in the studio and, uh, and I was pregnant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Things that I had prepared was just before. Uh, and, uh, yes, I was pregnant, uh, throughout. And then at the finishing thing I had, I had my, my son was like three months old. How do you think the idea of knowing you're about to become a mother influenced the music that you made during that time? For sure, a lot, especially one track. Mm-hmm. I remember the one track is definitely, um, is definitely completely influenced by my son. Uh, which track was that? Uh, I think it was the feel, no. My God, oh, let me check. I have no idea. I don't know the names. <laughs> 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 oh my god uh, ah, this is very typical mm-hmm. okay uh, 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 huh. no it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't feel strange no it was feel 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 feel. yes um do you think it brought us the thought of being a mother do you think it brought a sense of kind of like excitement maybe a sense of fear even what sort of what sort of energy do you think that brought into the music uh a more calm calm Mm, yeah that's interesting more sense of calm. Sorry, I'm just looking for a tissue quickly. Uh, more sense of calm. Yeah. Um, calm and um, uh, 
femininity. I don't know if uh, you can say that femininity sounds stupid when you say it, but like more, I think it was more personal, more about me. This is also why I call it Donna because Donna, mm. for, also Donna is a beautiful name and it's also named Donna Salmon, obviously. Yeah. Not that I was comparing, but I, I just thought Donna also means woman in Italian. And this is why I thought it was just a good, and Donna in German, um, but written differently means thunder, but obviously the album is not thunder, but having a baby is kind of a, like a thunder in your life. Oh, yeah. And it was, just, uh, um, it was like a mix of all these things that I thought Donna, and I just wanted to have something that meant one, just was one word. And um yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's like this femininity or this, like, uh, this, uh, yeah, being a woman was um, what it brought, was the other element, calm and and femininity. I definitely feel the, the calm aspect because it's definitely, the album's not, like, high-flying club techno tracks, much more soulful and musical uh lyrical in that sense i can't fully relate to the femininity aspect obviously but um you know just the just on the basic the basics not the right word but on the concrete fundamental aspects you know like you said the name being the name of woman the cover art itself you know it's i definitely see that uh right from the consumer side of just you know being being a woman, being a mother, being a woman in dance music, that kind of thing. It, it's, it's, it seems very clear uh, that that was an intention that was brought into it for sure. Yes. Um, since we're kind of on the topic, one interview I read, you said that the proudest accomplishment in your career was being a DJ mom. And um, I'm just curious, what, have you, uh, introduced your son to any kind no. of DJing or music or anything like that yet? No, no. <laughs> no. I hope he's going to do something else. I yeah, DJ. No, <laughs> no, and also like I don't have um, like now I have a setup in uh, my storage. I never really had a setup in my house. Only always only had one turntable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not very present in where I live or where we live, you know? So he doesn't get confronted with it so much. He sometimes sees me and sometimes sees me maybe on an Instagram video or something. Mm. He knows that's what I do, but I don't, I, he's not really asked any questions yet. I mean, he's seven, you know, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he probably doesn't care. <laughs> He just knows I go away and then I come back and he's like obviously not happy when I'm going away and I'm not really happy when I'm going away from him ever. It's always really hard to leave your son. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's. Um, I guess, yes, this is my proudest accomplishment that I'm actually. Yeah, it was also extremely hard and uh, it's like a, it's a choice you're making. But obviously for me, I mean, I was pregnant and uh, I, uh, I wanted to ha have my baby. So, I, you know, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> so I, had to, I had to go with uh, the flow mm -hmm. and 
make the best of it. And uh, yeah, but it gets easier when they get older, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, are you playing classical music around the house the way that you started listening to it when you were younger? I don't really play a lot of music in the house, mm. which is, um, um, I don't listen to a lot of music in the house because we're also, we're living with my mother together with my mother. Yes, I do. Sometimes it's more like I listen to it at night by myself mm -hmm. so because then I also can listen to it in, in peace and quiet. So I'm really listening to it, but I, I we use uh, uh, our car a lot or I have to drive my son to school and, and, um, and uh back and i always like to even like if i have to listen to a track that i made or album or whatever i like to listen to them in the car it's like a thing <laughs> that i have i like to listen to music in the car and now because in ibiza i was also driving quite a bit but now i just also i just drive for an hour sometimes to somewhere in nature where i can take a nice walk and and I, I have a CD player in my car, so I listen to CDs in the car, so that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, a lot of producers say that the car test is the final yeah. test because that's where most of the people are going to be listening to it anyway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to kind of keep things in the theme of, like, the next generation, just, you know, younger artists, I'm curious, like, as someone who's been has a lot of experience in the scene like what do you think of this next upcoming generation of dance music artists you know the, the younger I, artists it's like difficult to know because like it, we would we just had a break of two years no mm -hmm. yeah probably are new people that i don't know because or maybe i've seen some something online and um well it's a very you know there is this um and I didn't realize it how much there's this like um, there's this like uh, official DJ or music world mm -hmm. that everyone looks to or that counts as the one that measures how famous you are, how much money you get, and uh, all of that, how popular on Instagram. And then there's like the real music or DJ world where you know their scenes, clubs, and who gets to play there, and uh, how are they doing in these clubs, who is a good DJ or not, that's again a completely different story, and um, sometimes it goes hand in hand, but sometimes it's just the world's apart, and uh, it's just really hard to, you know, when you're like, oh yeah, she's good, he's good, great, but when do I hear people DJ in a club? I mean, Maybe when I was like partying, going out a lot more, mm -hmm. yeah, then I could obviously, or well, when I'm there and I hear someone play before me. And now actually I like to like hang out longer because, you know, I haven't, you know, I'm more, I don't have so many gigs. So I'm more rested. I'm not stressed. I don't have to get from one to the next. Maybe sometimes I have two gigs, but most of the time it's like one, you know, where like things, just got canceled again you know I said I have a completely different uh, attitude I can have it now because you know I'm not stressed out going from one gig to the next mm -hmm. um but I don't really get a chance to listen to people in a club you know mm -hmm. so you uh so you're listening to a podcast or a mix 
which can be super super interesting and really good so you're like oh wow she he picked really cool music that's mm-hmm. really good but that doesn't mean that's this is what they're like on the dance floor i don't know it's hard to um it's hard to um really know especially now because we've not really been anywhere and nothing's been running really but um, throughout the years or like uh, throughout the last, let's say 10 years, I was really happy that there were like more and more women that were playing really well or, or, or I, I really enjoyed. So where, you know, you could really not go like, okay, it's so hard for women, blah, blah, blah. Cause it was always, it's so hard for women, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and um uh, and I think you really cannot say anymore. It's so hard for women, blah blah blah, to to have a D- like to to be able to become a DJ. I think it's it's uh, it's a lot better, and that was nice. Yeah, I mean, I was recently read an article and it talked about artists like Amelie, Amelie Lenz and Charlotte Dewitt, who are young women who are extremely talented and it brought up the idea. It's like, you know, they're even just the way they present themselves. They're in these like baggy clothes. It's not about their appearance. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're very much, they very much bring their legitimate talent to the table and nobody can deny that. Yeah, you know? yeah. absolutely. And they both look very natural and uh, yeah. And they both seem very lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you brought up this idea of like, the two worlds of kind of dance music, like how much money you make and stuff. And then like the mute, basically like the, the facade and then the music itself was dance music culture always like that. Or did it kind of just did those two worlds kind of split from one another at a certain point? I, I don't really know because obviously in the nineties, I wasn't around. Um, I was only around from the late nineties living or, or or starting to DJ. So I don't really know what it was like, but I, I'm sure that like the business, I mean, back then the DJs could make a lot of, a lot of money with music, you know, like people like David Morales had big hits that were like played on the radio all around the world, which like in the last 15 years, Avicii had like, you know, that was um, commercial music, commercial dance music was EDM and not house music. Mm-hmm. So that has changed completely. And and the thing is, what was interesting back then that like the commercial music or the commercial house music was still house music, you know. Mm-hmm. EDM, you cannot play EDM uh, in, in a club, you know, you cannot play an Avicii, you cannot play an Avicii track at Berkheim, but you can, you can play a David Morales hits at Berkheim, you know? Mm-hmm. So I guess that's something that um, is the, is the more general, you know, when DJ Mac does like the most of 10, the top, top 100, um you know that's something that is obviously a completely different world to the world that 
I grew up as a DJ in, in Berlin. Mm-hmm. So this is also why that all of that never meant anything to me because the people I admired or what, what I thought was interesting about DJing was, um, I didn't even know that DJ Mag existed until like into my career, you know, because I, I would never read uh, a magazine about DJs because, you know, I would rather listen to them, <laughs> about them you know, yeah. the last thing you want to know is what DJs eat and what they, <laughs> who they date and, uh, or, or, you know, maybe yes, of course, their influences. It's interesting to know these things and uh, um, yeah, how they started, obviously, especially if it's people like that started uh, going out in the late eighties. And obviously that's extremely interesting when you can listen to people's stories from, from um, Paradise Garage and what it was like, or when you listen to Lorgany, like what was it like at, at Hacienda or, you know, what was it like uh, Carl Cox, uh, uh, Daniel at Twilo? What mm-hmm. was it like Junior Vasquez at uh, Sound Factory? Yeah, obviously these things I find extremely interesting, mm-hmm. but yeah. You know, there's not so many DJs that had like such interesting periods. And there's only, there's New York, there's Ibiza, there's Frankfurt, there's Berlin, there's Amsterdam. Obviously there's Italy, there's Richon and Rimini, there's uh, also Paris. You know, they're they're the places where music was big or they had certain famous Manchester clubs, you know, and, uh, and, these people that played there or got the chance to be there or live uh, the party life there, obviously their stories are extremely interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely enjoyed a lot of your stories that you've told (laughs) during this interview. So um, I appreciate that. Uh, Just have one last quick question, which is, you know, we got the holidays coming up and soon we'll be in a new year. So what do you have planned for uh, what's coming next? So what, you know, I just, I changed agents, like not my US agent, but my uh, rest of the world agent. And uh, we just had a business trip that we had to do together to Helsinki. And it was just so, it was just really, so I'm working with a woman again, you know, she's a female agent, which I did at the beginning. And, and uh, you know, not that it's better, it's better to work with a woman, but yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's just that also who she is and the experience she has and uh, and she's been in the dance music even longer than I have and and we were discussing all these things and talking about you know what it all means to us and why are we still doing this and why do we want to do it and what do we want to change and why are we why is it good to be working together etc and, and I think that was really especially because it was like now beginning of December last month of this year it was really okay, we're going to do this again. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard because there's less work. You know, it's like uh, we probably have to build the scene from scratch in certain areas. I hope many clubs can survive. I mean, again, now lockdowns and it's it's extremely difficult for them. Um, so many people have lost their jobs. I mean, we all had... A really hard time with the whole situation and uh, but now it's like okay we're doing this again we've had all these beautiful really extraordinary experiences and 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 what we know 
is really helpful because we know what's good about it and what's bad. Now, some people don't know that because they haven't experienced it, you know, and I think it's our, our, our responsibility as veterans, if you want to call us veterans, to, um, to set a certain tone and to not give up, you know, and to, mm -hmm. to still be there and maybe be there uh, in a very, uh, in a more mature or more, more pronounced fashion and to go like, okay, this year we've still given ourselves like, okay, like, because things are going to get canceled and it's not really here, there yet. Let's try, let's test. And I was like, also like, yeah, you know what? I have a mom, my son, he just started school. I'm not in the right frame of mind of oh, career, 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 you know? Yeah. I'm happy to play. I'm happy to play gigs that are like great for making certain contacts, be with certain people. Also to make money, of course, because I need to make money as well. <laughs> Again, after like being on a on a holiday <laughs> for more than a year. But uh, um, yeah, holiday, if, if people are just listening to this, was not meant seriously. I was just, uh, you know, uh, it, it was meant sarcastically. Um, yeah, it's just that we really thought, okay, 2022, even if it's going to be rough and even if it's going to be a challenge again, we're just going to really go for it and really make it um, what we say we can make it be more, be really more pronounced and, um, and really, um, you know, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely see what you're saying about the kind of a responsibility as a veteran you know, because it's kind of like you're saying about the whole two worlds thing. You've seen the power that this culture has, the power that it has to unite people, the power it has to just bring joy. And so this is a time when people Absolutely, need it yeah. the most, you know, this is the time when people need it the most. And even though there's certainly some hurdles in making that happen with the government, closing clubs before they close anything else you know it's it's like you were saying before about your career it's like if you're going to be a dj you have to do the absolute best that you can and so now is the time when the people need the artists of all genres to do the best that they can and i think that'll really just be a telling thing about who really wants to be an artist whether they're really in it to deliver those experiences or whether they're in it for the paycheck, whether they're in it for the traveling or whatever, you know, and it doesn't have to be black and white, like perform for free kind of thing, you know. No, it's obviously, it's always a mix of things. There's, yeah. there's do for money and gigs you do because uh, for the love of it, etc. I mean, that's part of a professional life, you know, but it's really, it's extremely beautiful what you said, because that's exactly it. It's like, it's kind of like a, it's like a, a new beginning for me. Mm -hmm. And again, because like back then where I was getting into it easy, easy, you know, I never had this, I have to conquer the world, be the best DJ uh, attitude. So now it's like, okay, what do I have to give, you know? And I guess what 
when I also said the pronounced thing, what do I give? It's like, it's more like an, it's more that the attitude of giving has to be extremely apparent for me, you know? Like when you're, when you're there to connect with people, like just, I mean, funnily enough, all the gigs I had this year, they were really amazing and really, um, I was really connecting with the people, hanging out forever, really talking to everyone. And uh, it was just so, I could just see how much joy I can bring and, uh, um, and how much joy the music brings and connects the people, you know. There was this couple in Napoli on the, they were so sweet. They were like dancing next to me. They were the promoter's friends and they hadn't come out in a really long time. I guess they're also parents or, but they were like uh, out all the time. They were like really ravers in Italy uh, and know the music well. And they were really like dancing and going for it. And then at the end she said, oh, thank you. I just really feel like making love to my husband. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs>